If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 12. We've got this one and one more. Just, I didn't plan this way, but it's just ending the year so beautifully. Uh, just coming, we've been talking a lot about uh, the um, uh, foundation, having a firm foundation, being on a solid rock, solid foundation in the coming year. I feel like God's given good direction, Caleb and Daniel, and uh, we prayed and I just really feel like the direction is that we're going to really uh, fulfill the Great Commission. We want to go out now that we're on that firm foundation. People ought to see us in an unshakable state, and we ought to be able to lead them to the Lord. So it's time to go into the highways and byways and lead people to uh, the glorious relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about a lot about community. We can't do that by ourselves. We're going to do that together. We're going to do it everywhere we go. And so we're going to hear a lot that God's going to tell us in the coming years. Uh, never been more clear on direction uh, from the Lord, I believe. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But we have two more chapters in this wonderful book of Hebrews that we've been studying that's kind of reinforcing that. We've talked about New Covenant. We've talked about uh, the book of Hebrews, how that when your heart grows cold, it's because we've gotten away from this true revelation of Christ. And I believe we have done that in a lot of uh, the Western world, and we need to come back to a, to a good uh, revelation of Christ, the true revelation of Christ, who He really is, the gospel as it really is uh, preached in the scriptures, and come back to that with all of our hearts. I hope you're still doing your Bible reading. I hope you haven't uh, 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 just... Uh, uh, slowly faded out. If you have, pick right back up. We're in the book of Revelation. It's a great book that you need to be reading right now and being involved in. Say, well, I don't understand it. Read it anyway. And keep asking the Holy Spirit to make it come alive to you. Nobody can understand it without the leading and the opening of the eyes by the Spirit of God. So he is the author. You have nobody better to go to than the author himself and say, uh, teach me this book. And uh, we have wonderful resources. You can come and ask different people in this place that, that have studied that book, and we will learn of it. We'll do some maybe some preaching in the coming year on it as well, and that sort of thing, but get back up. If you've missed all the other, don't go back. Just pick up on the Bible reading, and let's go forward. We're going to come out. Uh, I'm going to be looking at trying to decide what we're going to do, but we need a systematic Bible reading. Some of us need to be held accountable, and so we want to go back into the new year with another Bible reading plan. You need to have a Bible reading plan, whether you like the one we're doing or you get you another one. You need something where you are, you're, you're, you're reading the scriptures every day and you're involved in the scriptures every day. So, so get into the word of God now and in the coming year. So Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God that you're about to open up to us. God, make it come alive, make it real to our hearts and just speak to our hearts and change our lives through the word of God now in Jesus' name, amen. Around the September of 1940 in France, there was a cave that some young boys and a dog that they had went down or either fell into the cave or went down into a small opening in the cave. And this, this just seemingly normal cave that everybody walked past all the time and thought nothing of, Daniel, all of a sudden they looked further and these amazing artwork was discovered inside of this cave. I mean, just brilliant, amazing prehistoric art that all because a dog either fell into a hole or went through this narrow entrance and these boys pursued in and kept looking. And when they thought they saw something, they kept going until they discovered something absolutely amazing. And Jesus has done the same thing for us. Jesus has opened up a way into a new universe. And that's why some of us can sing, 
Oh, praise the name. And I can hear my, my wife saying, I see it, I see it, I see it. And because she sees it, she sees a universe and a world that Christ has opened up. It's not the same material. You see, some of us in this room, all we can see past, we have no faith to see past the problems in the world. We have no fa- faith to see past a world that's crumbling without God and falling to pieces and war breaking out on every hand. Uh, we, but, but there are some in this room that can see past all of that because Jesus has gone in and opened our eyes to the reality that there is something more. There is something that I can see. There's something I can taste and that I can touch that's even more tangible than what's right here. And I long for that world. Let this world fall to pieces. Give me that. Amen. And so Jesus opened up this new universe, but the way in is by faith. And last week we studied a whole bunch of people who, who, who Old Testament mo- uh, people who saw a long way into the distance before Christ has even showed up on the scene and they believe it. Seeing afar off, yet they believed in faith. And they didn't waver at the promise, but they believed it. And, 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 and they're, and they're going to receive that promise. Because of their faith and because of their belief. And so today we're going to talk about in Hebrews chapter 12. We're talking about a writing of a book that says so much about Jesus Christ. It tells us so much about about, uh, getting back and looking at him and seeing the true Christ so that we don't stop on the journey. So that we don't go back because when persecution broke out for these believers and when horrific sufferings came upon them, these Jews who now had put their faith and trust in Christ all of a sudden decided, maybe I should go back to what I knew best. Maybe I should go back to the old covenant. Maybe I should go back to the law of Moses because, man, since I've come to Jesus, it's been nothing but trouble. Nothing but but chaos. Nothing but trouble. And so it seems that it would just be better to go back there. So today, I want to talk about a God that's calling us to persevere. The writer, this really, this chapter and the next one is coming to the climax of the book. It's coming to the grand crescendo. And what it's basically telling us here is it's by faith. That we enter in by faith and we're kept by faith. And he's telling us in this chapter, you you could label it as perseverance. He's telling us to persevere Daniel keep running the race don't stop now don't quit at this point but persevere and so I want because what he's saying is and this is the title of the message you're going to receive something that's unshakable if you persevere how many would like to have something unshakable because it feels like everything is being shaken today and like you can't stand on anything right you put your trust in this it falls you put your trust in that it begins to crumble you put your trust in that and it seems to be falling apart everything that we've ever put our trust in is shaking but there's one thing Christ is telling us you can stand firm in and that's your faith in Jesus Christ amen it will stand the test of time so stand firm on that level ground today and you'll be all right. So here's what the Bible is telling us, that some of you have fixed your eyes on in by faith on having a marriage. If I could just have a marriage, then man, my problems would be solved and I could coast in life. I would feel loved. I would feel fulfilled and everything would be on fire. Fine. So I'll just put my faith in marriage. Some of you are saying, man, if I could just reach uh, six figures in my income, if I could just get a hundred thousand dollars job, then man, I would have it made. So I'm going to put 
put my faith into that mountain and I'm going to climb that mountain because I just know if I could have financial freedom and financial security, then I would be set and I would feel good. Others in here have put your faith in your skills, man. I am a good actress. I'm a good actor. I know I'm going to go out to Hollywood and I'm going to make it. I'm a good musician. I'm going to move to Nashville and you will see me on American Idol or this or that. I'm going to make it on CMT or I'm going to make it at the Grand Ole Opry and my skills are going to take me places so I'm going to focus everything I got. I'm going to focus everything I got. I'm a a dynamic athlete. I'm going to make it to the NFL. I'm going to make it to the Olympics. I'm going to do something great. But let me tell you something. If you fix your eyes on that kind of faith, once you climb the mountain, you're going to find out you're very, very dissatisfied. Because I've set out to do some of those things. Only to find out when you get there, it's a very terrible, empty, lonely, terrible feeling with no faith at all. You find out that there's nothing stable there. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author says, the heart of the passage today is fix your eyes upon Jesus. The song kept coming. I was singing it all morning. I probably didn't know why, but turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. You remember the old hymn? Look upon the fullness of his face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. And so I want to give you four directions today. Four directions where we should fix our eyes. Number one, we're going to fix our eyes up. We're going to fix our eyes up. Number two, we're going to fix our eyes back. And number three, we're going to fix our eyes forward, and then we're going to fix our eyes out. Because that's what we see in this passage, and if we do that, we're going to have the faith we need to, to, to make it to the end and endure to the end and, and, and to receive the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. So let's look at number one. In number one, we need to look up to Jesus as the pioneer of our faith. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God so number one we need to look up to the author and pioneer of our faith if you want to have faith that endures to the end, then you need to look to the one that perfected it, that created it, that authored it, that went before it, and you need to really understand who Jesus is. You need to know that you know that you know him, that he was the trailblazer, that he crossed the finish line, and because he crossed the finish line, he showed us how we can cross the finish line as well. Amen? It's clear now. It's clear. The the way has been made. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Anybody who puts their faith in me and believes on the Son has the Father and has eternal life. The trailblazer has gone. He has perfected our faith. He has shown us the way. Fix your eyes on Him today. Amen. 
That's the beautiful picture here in Hebrews that we just read is this stadium full of witnesses like we read about in Hebrews 11. All these people who have gone before and there's this stadium and they're cheering us on. They've, they've, They've crossed the line. They've gone on in. They believed in faith till the end and now they're cheering us on. We're the athlete. We're the runners in the race and they're telling us that, that, that to fix our eye on the goal, on the right goal. If you study anybody in the Olympics or a runner in here that used to run track, you fix your eyes on a goal. You fix your eyes on something and you keep it there, man. That's how you stay the course. See the finish line. Get to the end. You don't get distracted or look over here. Is he in my lane? Is he in your lane? No, you focus. You fix your eyes. And that's what these cloud of witnesses are saying to us. Run the race. Keep going. Don't fall back. Why would you go back to the old stuff when you can keep going? I know you're persecuted. I know you're suffering. I know you're going through some stuff. But Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. Fix your eyes on Him. Run the race. There's others that have run before you. They're cheering you on. Focus on the goal and don't let your eyes go to the left or to the right. Fix it on the one that is going before us that has reached the finish line and go to the end. Look, you would think he would go after reading such an amazing chapter in Hebrews 11 last week. You would think, Amy, that he would say this. Emulate them. I mean, Abraham, the father of our faith, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, believed 120 years. We talked about him last week. Noah, I mean, like, shouldn't we emulate that man's faith who there by himself, eight souls on the earth get saved? Wouldn't you think the writer would begin to say, hey, why don't you copy them? Why don't you look to them? Why don't you look out to them rather than look up to him? Why? I mean, because look, they did some amount. Look, women got their dead raised back to life again. People were sawn in two. All kinds of things happened to these people. They were amazing. But he doesn't take us there. He doesn't say, look back to them. In fact, look what he says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39. He tells us this. He says, these were all commended for their faith. Yet, none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. He said none of them received what had been promised because the author of faith had not come and fulfilled what needed to be fulfilled so that we could come into it. So those aren't the best days when we look back there and say, boy, I wish I'd have been living back there with the disciples. Wish I'd been living back there with those people in Hebrews 11. Those were the good old days. No, right now are the good days. Right now, right here. Because look what he says in Hebrews chapter 12 too. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And look, I want you to see that. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He doesn't say go look back to the Hebrews 11 people. Here's what he says. Consider Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. Look up to him. And if you look up to him and keep your eyes focused and fixed on the pioneer and the author who died, buried, rose from the dead, triumphantly sits at the right hand of the Father. The Father accepted him and brought him into glory and gave him a name that is preeminent above every other name. If you'll keep your focus on him and consider him, you'll never grow weary. And you'll never faint. So if some of you are weary in your faith today and you feel like giving up, You need to consider Him. You need to look up to Jesus, the author of faith. You want to know how we're going to continue to the end and not grow weary? 
They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Right? You're going to, they'll mount up with wings. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. You'll keep your focus on Him, and that's how you'll do it. Not only that, because, because He's our example. Listen, the cross displayed outside of our church on the roof and the crosses that are displayed inside our church and, 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 and inside our churches all across America, they, they're empty in Protestant churches. And the reason they're emptied is because we, it represents the fact that when we look at Him, we know that He died, He's buried, and He was raised from the dead. He's not still on that cross. He is sitting in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the Father in all majesty. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. He is the author and the finisher of our faiths. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But, but, we also don't just look up. We look back. We look back. And we look back in our faith. And we look at the blaze trail that Je- for our example. We look back for our example that, that Jesus set. Because, listen, he, Joe, he, he set the example by living and becoming a man and giving his life. And for 33 years of obedience, that's why a lot of Catholic people, if you ask them, a pra- pastor asked a Catholic person recently, they were in a service together, and he asked the Catholic person, why do you have Jesus hanging on the cross always in your church? And he was curious. And he said, the reason that we have Jesus on the cross often is because if somebody comes in through that door and they see that they are suffering severely, then they can look upon that cross and they can be reminded that Jesus Christ not only is seated in heaven right now triumphantly, He's no longer on the cross, He's no longer in the tomb, but they can also look at that and see that He suffered for them. He bled, He died, and He perfected their faith even that when He suffered the body. Bible says that he continued on. He endured to the end. And we can look to him as our example that if he went through all that suffering and we're going through suffering now and he goes on to say in this passage of scripture, have you suffered to the point, Megan, of bleeding and dying like he did? I mean, I dare to say there are people in the world who have bled and died and suffered for Jesus, but none of us right here have had to do that yet. And he says, consider him. And then he goes on down. He's talking about he blazed the trail. And it wasn't an easy trail, but he made it. And because he made it, if you'll look up to him and see that he pioneered the faith, if you'll look out to him and see the example that he was ridiculed by his own family, he was scorned, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was put through a false trial, he was, he was condemned, he was pled, he was innocent, yet he, he was made guilty. And they killed him and they crucified him. And he's saying, look to all that. It wasn't easy, but he endured that hardship. And because he endured that hardship, now we can look to him and we can know that we're going to endure that hardship as well. Amen? Sometimes we go through stuff and we say, where's God, don't we? We, we, Where's God in all this? And the call that the writer is saying here today is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He goes on in Hebrews 12 and he says this, endure hardship 
He says, endure hardship in verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? In other words, what he's saying here is afflictions are designed at times on the part of God to produce positive effects in our life. So don't be surprised sometimes when you're going through hardship and you're wondering why you're suffering. Sometimes it's the fact that God is treating you like His child. And no father or no parent would ever just let their child, or I hope they wouldn't, we got a lot in this day and time that do, but no good father uh, would, would ever let their child just leave them to themselves to grow up without discipline. No, they discipline them. And so does your heavenly father. In fact, it goes on to say, if he didn't discipline you, then you're not his child. So the fact that you are being disciplined, the fact that we are enduring some suffering and some affliction sometimes means the fact that God is working in our lives. And folks, he's doing something in us and we are to learn from it and we are to keep going because God cares for you as his child. And either we can grow weary in it or and lose heart or we can consider him and look back and say you know what he went through these things and he's our example to keep going and to bear up under these things and to keep our eyes focused upon him and as I consider him the Bible says I will not lose heart hallelujah so we look up we look back and number three we look forward the writer tells us to Jesus who holds the future of our faith we look forward to Jesus who holds the future of our faith. We, we've said this over and over again how these scriptures were written in Hebrews to Jewish believers who had come to faith in Christ. And they began to face great temptations, the Bible tells our history tells us, and the Bible tells us. And there's this pressure to return. And the writer says here there's this pressure to return back to Mount Sinai. Look, I'll show you the mountain. This is, we, we see it depicted all over. That's, that's just a, a, a painting or something. that we, we see these paintings of Moses on Mount Sinai. And there's this pressure to return back to this. Mount Sinai, the place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. The place up on that mountain, that great moment on that mountain where, look at Hebrews 12, 18. It says, you have not come uh, to a mountain that can be touched. L just think about this. Why do you want to go back here, Raymond? Why do you... Look at what it's saying about the law. Look at what it's telling them about coming to the law and what's going on here. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning, but it's burning with fire and it's got darkness and gloom and storm. You're coming to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. In other words, it required 100% obedience, right? Come on, that's what the law demanded. You demand God. 100% of the time. You do that, I'll bless you. You mess up one iota, I'm a holy God. That's it. That's final. And so here we go. Because they could not bear what was commanded, even if an animal touched that mountain. Why? Because God's that holy, folks. Young people, your God is that holy. I'm telling you, you don't bebop down into the throne room of God, skipping like I'm just going to talk to God like He's my bro. You know, no, God is holy. He's an unappro unapproachable God. He dwells in unapproachable light. We ought not to see Him. We ought not to be able to taste Him. We ought not to be able to touch Him. We ought not to be able to even go near His presence without falling over dead. But God, but God, but God is amazing. Amen. It says the sight 
was so terrifying that Moses even said, I'm trembling with fear. And some of you who still live under the law, that's the way you feel. That's why you don't come to church much because, man, God's displeased with me. I did it for years, folks. That's why some white knuckles when you preach like this on the back of the pew. Because you know what you did last night, and you've tried to serve God. You've tried to be holy. You've tried to be faithful in your own power and in your own strength. And you just keep blowing it again and again. And, 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 and you come to this place, and the law demands, fine, I'll let you, I'll let you pass go, but give me 100%, right? Keep every jot and tittle. And so, so, so here, he say, the writer is saying, you want to go back to that mountain? You want to go back to that when, when, and, and, and to the, he says there's a new mountain now. And I want you to see this. There's a new mountain that has appeared, that has shown up in the place of that mountain. And some of us, like I said earlier, we chase, there's all kinds of mountains in Brookside, you know, and in Birmingham and in Alabama. There's mountains of wealth that we go after. There's mountains of pleasure that some of you spend your entire lives trying to conquer and climb. There's mountains of consumerism. There's mountains where you come to the end of your life and you find out, I invested my whole life in this only to lie on your deathbed, and so what if you're Elon Musk? It's gone. Big whoop. It's gone. And, 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 and you invest your whole life. These things fail to deliver. So you need to know which mountain you're climbing. And that's what he's saying. Know which mountain you're climbing. Because look at Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. There's another mountain that we can come to. And this is the one Jesus has opened. This is the one the boys are going by the cave. And there's got to be more. There's got to Whoa, this has piqued my interest. There's got to be more. Let's go in and see. Whoa, look at this ark. They investigate. They find out there's more inside that cave. Many have gone by that cave. Many might have even peeked and saw it and said, Oh, forget about it. That's nothing. But they went in. And that's what Jesus now has done he's gone in he's opened up something and now he's saying there's another mountain if you can see it and we look forward this is the last thing you look forward to what's to come and he says but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in the joyful assembly doesn't that sound so much different and better than the last mountain that we came to it says you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem you've come to thousands of angels that are y'all don't look too excited about it. I can see it. I'm going there. I'm living there now. I'm going to be there for eternity. It's the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. My name is written in heaven. I'm excited about that. Listen, you have come to God, the judge of all. He's already judged the firstborn that have come out of the grave and come out of the dead, which is Jesus, and all who connect themselves with Jesus. We've already passed from judgment and have been given eternal life. He has judged us and we are clear. We are clean. We are safe and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Hallelujah. I'm perfect by the blood of Jesus to Jesus, the mediator of not an old covenant, but a new covenant. We've talked about it all year. You can stand on it. You can stand firm on it. When you fail, you can run back to it because it's solid, it's safe, it's secure. And to the sprinkle of blood that speaks a better word than Abel. What did Abel offer? Sacrifice, a good sacrifice. Right? Cain, woo! Abel, bring it on. But the blood of bulls and goats 
they're not as good as the blood of Jesus. You've come to a mountain. Why will you go back, Brookside Church of God? Are you crazy? Why will you go back, Hebrews? Are you going back to the Mount Sinai? Are you going back to Moses? Are you going back to the law? When now there's another mountain called Mount Zion, and there is a Jesus, a new mediator that's there. He's entered in behind the veil. He has opened up the heavenly Jerusalem to you. You have come to thousands of angels in a joyful assembly. You've come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, made perfect to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood blood that speaks better word than Abel man I could shout you want to know why I get excited right there when we worship that's why because all I got to do is think about that all I got to do is think about that and say BJ I ain't worthy of that I know what I do I know who I am at the core. I know what I've done. And folks, when I think about all what Jesus Christ has done to give me access, to give me who doesn't deserve that, to allow me to come into his presence, my goodness, I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, what, what does this world have that's any more beautiful than that? Amen. To a place where you had 100% obedience, but now your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you kidding me? And that's what the writer is trying to do, and that's what I'm trying to do by spitting and sputtering and screaming and about to pass out. Is the writer's trying to tell you something to blow your minds of what they've come to. This is what you've come to now in Christianity. And you want to leave it, young person, for Buddhism? Are you insane? You want to leave it for the new, new ageism? You want to leave it for ecumenicalism? You want to leave it for witchcraft? Oh, there's so much witchcraft, it's so evil. Young person, if you're dabbling in witchcraft, you are dabbling in the demonic. And it's in video games. It's in everything we do now. It is sick and it is nasty. The occult is everywhere. And you want to leave the mountain of God to come to these things? Two things about this mountain. It's beautiful. Who would walk away from the beauty that's there? You ought to just go home and meditate on that all week. I mean, seriously, just take that passage right there. You need to write it down in your Bible right now and just mark it. And just go home and read it every day. And just meditate on that mountain. And, and, and consider it, what, what the writer is trying to show. It's beautiful. And the second picture here is it's a picture of community. And you're going to hear more about community, 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 community out of these lips until you're sick of hearing community. You're going to hear about more about us being together rather than individualism because there's nowhere in this scripture do you find it's all community. And right here he says your names, not, not, not just Max's name. My name too is written as a community. We're written, which means it's a city. It's a city of people. It's a community that is here that God has created, this heavenly city, which I, it, it, 
encompasses us, all of us. And it's beautiful and it's glorious and it's got our names written there and it makes up a community there. And what gives us access into this glorious place right here is the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're to look up to Jesus, the pioneer of our faith. We're to look back, the writer says, to Jesus, the example of our faith, who lived 33 years in perfect obedience, this God, fully God, yet fully man, pure obedience to the Father. You can see it there because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That tells me, Raymond, it was accepted. The work's done. The Father let him sit down at the right hand. He's there, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we are to look forward to Jesus who holds the future of our faith. In other words, that inheritance. And, and one last thing, we are to look out, and this is the warning of faith. We are to look out, and I leave this as a warning to you because the writer leaves a warning to us right here through a character called Esau. And Esau was a man that was the son of Isaac. If you remember, Isaac had two sons, and one was Jacob and one was Esau, and they were twins. Come on up right here, John. On and sit. There were two twins, man, that these two boys, Jacob and Esau, and these boys were twins. And here's what the deal was the firstborn was the one who got the inheritance or the birthright. Here's what was so cool about the birthright the birthright was, was uh, or, or uncool if you were the second born, but the, the cool thing about the birthright was you got the blessing if you were born. And there was nothing you had to do. Esau did nothing to deserve this, Esau did nothing to earn this. Esau Saw all he had to do was stand his ground. All he had to do was uh, strengthen his weak arms if he was discouraged and his feeble knees, like it says here in the book of Hebrews, and stand on faith because the inheritance had already been gained and it's already been won. So uh, it's already happened for him. But here's what the Bible says about this sad character, and that's why he inserts it here in this chapter, Jacob on perseverance. He's trying to tell us, don't go back, don't lose out on the faith. God has, has, has got your inheritance for you. He's gained eternal life for you. He's gotten you off that old mountain into this heavenly city where there's angels, your name's in the book of life, all these wonderful things. He's the pioneer of the faith. He's the, he's the, he's the example of the faith. He, he, he's, he's inherited the faith. And now he's warning you, but watch out. Watch out, man. Watch out that you don't give up. And that you don't hold it worthless. And you don't get attracted to the beauty of this world and think that pretty young thing is worth giving Jesus up for. Or that shiny thing in the mall this Christmas is worth giving or for, for more work and more hours and more money. And Esau, that's what Esau was. He was this hunter. He was this man of the field. He, he, was, uh, he, he was starving and famished one day after he went out and began hunting. And the Bible says that old Jacob, who uh, the characters in the Bible sometimes are quite interesting, that God would bless the things that God blesses. But, but Jacob is over there, and Jacob has got a little bowl of stew on the pot. 
and Jacob is there uh, cooking this, this stew on the pot, and brother comes in, and he's famished, and he's tired, and he takes a whiff of that stew, and Jacob knows what he's doing. We're right here because the brother says, I'm famished, and I'd like some of that stew. And Jacob says, ah, I tell you what, I'll give it to you for your birthright. I'll give it to you for your inheritance. Well, what I was going to tell you about the birthright is, hey, guess what? The brother that is the oldest gets two shares of the father's stuff, and the younger brother gets one. Two-thirds versus one. So, so he gets the blessing. And so that's entitled to this guy Esau. But he doesn't care about it. It's worthless to him. He values the things of this world and the God of his belly more than these other things. So all of a sudden, Jacob throws up the proposition, which was kind of really not right on the part of Jacob. But Jacob does it anyway. But at least Jacob values the birthright. Jacob values God. And so all of a sudden, even though he's got some trickery to work out of, out of him and some deceiver to work out of him, but he gets there. But let me tell you something. Esau is there and Esau takes that stew and he eats it up and Jacob gets and steals the birthright and so God puts this at why you say well why that story in the Bible Hebrews 12 16 says Esau who for a single meal sold his birthright Genesis 25 34 it says Esau despised his birthright Esau had done nothing like I said all he had to do was hold on and stand firm for what was going to come for him but he couldn't Hold on to the future. He had to have it now. I got to have it now. We got entire churches now. I preached on it the other night at the service where, where we have entire churches. Kingdom now. Give it to me now. I got to have it now. I can't wait till the future. Give it now. And we've got entire covetous type situations where we sell our birthright and our inheritance for just the now. Amen. When God has done everything for you to have and he says, hold on. Fix your eyes. The world will try to allure you away from this, Esau, and you folks out here. But he says, hold on. Hold on to faith. Hold on to faith. Don't let this one pull you aside. Don't let that one pull you aside. Don't, even if you suffer loss, even if you don't understand because somebody dies that you hold dear or precious, hold on. Keep going. Jesus suffered more for, than you could ever imagine. See the beauty in the inheritance and what he gained for you. And here's what he says lastly, and I close. He says in Hebrews 12, 25 and 28, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Don't refuse him. Don't refuse the one who's speaking these things. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And here's what we boil this down to. God is shaking everything that can be shaken to only that remains which cannot be shaken. And I'm going to give it to you. You ready, home? You ready for the answer in here of what can't be shaken? You ready? Only those who put their faith in Jesus will not be shaken. That's the only thing that's going to last. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Only those who have, who have, who have put their faith and trust completely in the finished worth, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why, folks at home, it's exclusive. That's why it's exclusive. 
It's called the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. All other ground is sinking sand. There is no other hope outside of Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There are not all gods lead there and we'll be okay. It is not that way. It is one way. It is the only way. He is the truth and He is the life and no man comes to the Father. And that's why the writer here is saying, do not go anywhere else. Consider Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him focus on him because he is the answer for everything he's the pioneer of your faith he's the example of your faith look into the future he inherited your faith for you and folks look back and do not go back and trade anything for this faith keep your focus and eyes on Jesus. And folks, we're at the last hour of time, and there are so many distractions. There are so many discouragements. There are so many things letting us down. There is so much in our ears now of demonic deception. I feel it every day. I feel it. I hear it in my my The voices of uh, uh, coming against us right now, it's all to undermine and erode your foundation of trust in Jesus. That's why we spent an entire year on covenant of saying you must have your focus here and we're coming down to the end and I'm telling you one more time fix your focus and gaze on Jesus get it off of you get it off of your righteousness get it off of other people and put it on Jesus Christ the Bible says the fire of God he's a consuming fire the last verse here says and he's going to consume everything that's not of faith in Christ and his cross. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for, God, this message. And Father, there are people here today who have never fixed their eyes on Jesus. And Lord, the first step they need to do this morning is they need to put their trust and faith. They need to turn their eyes, whatever it's on. Maybe it's on trying to create their own righteousness. Maybe it's on their sin. Maybe it's on uh, some other uh, religion or some other pleasure or some other thing. Maybe they've tried climbing a mountain only to get to the mountain of success and finding it's unstable and empty. And Father, today the call is to is to fix your gaze and your eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. All who put their trust in Him will never be disappointed or ashamed. And so, Father, the first call is for anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, here or at home, that they make Jesus the Lord of their life. It's as simple as, 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 as acknowledging that we're sinners accepting Christ into our life, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, con confessing uh, th that we're sinners and, and believing, and then, and then Lord, uh, uh, Lord uh, confessing with our mouth that He is Lord of all, that He died, that He buried, and that He rode us again, and that He's coming again to receive us. And so, Father, I pray that if there's people in this room today that, that have put their faith in something else and they never put their trust of salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord, 
Maybe they even think they did. Lord, for, 20, for, for 21 years of my life, I, Lord, I went to church, God, in those early years, and I, I thought I'd put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But Lord, uh, like Esau, Lord, it, it, was, uh, it was never genuine. It, it, Lord, I love the things of this world more than I love Christ. But Lord, at 21 years of age, God, I, I fixed my eyes upon Jesus. I, I came into this faith, and my life has never been the same. I've never left my eyes or my gaze being on Him for my hope and my salvation, Lord, and my eternal life. And so if there's someone here, let them come to this altar, Lord, in faith this morning, God, and, and receive you into their heart and into their life. And Father, if there's somebody here uh, secondary, Lord, they're a Christian, but God, their, their gaze has been elsewhere. God, they've been enamored. They've been allured away by other things. And today the call from the author is, you're, 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 you're on dangerous ground. You're at a point where your faith is ebbing and you're wanting to go back. You're wanting to go back away from God. And, and, and today you need to refix your gaze upon Jesus. And so, Lord, there's some here, God, some, I'm not saying they're backslide, they love you, but there's some are backslid, and they need to come back to you, God. They need to refix their gaze on you and come back. So, Lord, we're going to do that here in a minute. We're going to make that available uh, to you in Jesus' name. We're going to play a song. I want to read this poem that Margaret gave me. It's called Traveling on My Knees, and, and, and it's going to be kind of a prayer for those that I make this altar call for, and it's going to be what we're going to pray about tomorrow night on Monday. We're going to have prayer tomorrow night. It's the first Monday, 7 o'clock. Is it 7 o'clock here at the church for anyone in, that wants to do that, but it's called Traveling on My Knees, and it says, Last night I took a journey to a land across the sea. I didn't go by ship or, uh, or plane, I traveled on my knees. I saw so many people there in bondage to their sins, and Jesus told me I should go, that there were souls to win. But I said, Jesus, I can't go to land across the seas. He answered quickly, yes, you can by traveling on your knees. He said, you pray, I'll meet your need, meet the need. You call, I will hear. It's up to you to be concerned for lost souls far and near. And so I did. I knelt in prayer, gave up some hours of ease, and then the Savior by my side, I traveled on my knees. And with the Savior by my side, I traveled on me. What a powerful. We're going to pray for people tomorrow night. We're going to pray for people right now, the remainder of this service. So we're going to play a song real quick and remain a few more minutes. But I want to give a chance in this altar to come and to refix, yeah, our gaze. Oh, I'm sorry, I did forget the last part. Hold on. Thank you. As I prayed on, I saw souls saved and twisted persons healed. I saw God's workers' strength renewed while, uh, while laboring on the field. I said, yes, Lord, I'll take the job. Your heart I want to please. I'll heed your call and swiftly go by traveling on my knees. What a great point, man. What a great... I'll, I'll try to put that on the, on the uh, app so that some of y'all can have it and you can share it. But uh, let's go to a song, and that's our prayer right there for, for people in this room. For if you, if you've been laboring and you're tired, refix your eyes on Jesus. He'll strengthen you today. Those that are weary and tired and don't feel like you can go home, fix your eyes on Jesus. Those whose faith has ebbed because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, fix them on Jesus. Those who have never put their eyes on Jesus. Fix them on Jesus. This altar's open. Come. <laughs>